Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, the planters are just about wrapped up here in Texas. The cotton crop is in the ground. And according to the USDA ratings, it's looking really good right now. We'll take a look at those ratings coming up. Plus, the state's largest farm organization recognizes a retiring congressman. We'll have that story coming up. My name's Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Sorghum farmers in the Texas Panhandle still have a little ways to go with planting, but what's already above ground looks promising. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Temple Grandin is coming to Texas to talk to farmers and ranchers. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. From one extreme to the next for agricultural producers on the Texas South Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas Farm Bureau recognized Texas Congressman Kevin Brady this week, giving him the Distinguished Service Award for his leadership and outstanding service to Texas farmers and ranchers. Brady was quick to praise the organization for its tireless work. Well, one, it's a wonderful award, but the truth is uh, I'm such a huge fan of Texas Farm Bureau. It's such a credible organization, so respected, but so effective. And, and I'll tell you, we would never got tax reform done without it. never got this new trade agreement with U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Property rights, this fight against this really harmful regulation, you know, setting the stage for the next generation of young farmers, you know what I mean, ranchers. This is Texas Farm Bureau. So, yeah, I'm one, I'm really honored by it, but two, I'm just most grateful. Uh, you guys have taken care of me for a long time, and I can't thank you enough. Brady has been the top Republican on the House Ways and Means Committee and will be retiring at the end of his current term. Cotton planting is about wrapped up both here in Texas and across the cotton belt. According to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, the condition of the crop is improving. Current numbers, 52% good to excellent, 6% very poor to poor. A week ago, those numbers were 45% and 9% respectively. And that puts this year's crop in a better spot than we saw this time a year ago when we had just 40% of the cotton good to excellent and 25% very poor to poor. One of the most dramatic changes has been in Texas where it's turned wetter. Three weeks ago, Texas cotton was rated 30%, very poor to poor. That number is now 7%. Rippey says squaring is right on schedule here in Texas, but behind in other areas of the cotton belt. We have cotton squaring advancing to 21% nationally by June 20th. Five-year average is 25%. Last year, we were at 25%. It's a bit interesting because a lot of the major production areas, for example, in Texas, were pretty much on par with squaring progress, 20% on June 20th. Five-year average is 21%. 
But we are seeing some very significant delays in some of the wetter areas of the Mississippi Delta eastward. So, for example, in Arkansas, just 12% squaring by June 20th. Five-year average there is 60%. USDA's Brad Rippey. Sorghum farmers in the Texas panhandle still have a way to go when it comes to planting. But what is already above ground looks promising. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Coming into this growing season, expectations were high that Panhandle area farmers were going to switch a lot of acres to sorghum in order to capitalize on a strong market for that commodity. Well, the season is now underway, and Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says things are off to an encouraging start. We have an increase in sorghum acres this year. And as a whole, sorghum is looking really good. Most of the sorghum was planted late May into early June. And we're still sitting in a good window for planting in the panhandle. We can plant our sorghum into late June. And of course, as we move later into the month, we want to be looking at those earlier maturing hybrids. But nevertheless, we're still in a good window for sorghum. And we've seen sorghum looking really good right now. That's good to see, especially for producers who are able to take advantage of the current sorghum market. As Dr. Bell suggested, sorghum planting in our region is not yet complete. Things got a bit delayed because, as many of you know, panhandle sorghum is typically planted after cotton. And, of course, cotton planting was itself postponed by those cool and wet conditions a few weeks ago. Now, for sorghum growers who have yet to plant or have just done so, Here's some weed control advice from Sorghum Checkoff Agronomy Director Brent Bean. When you do plant, you do want to follow that immediately with the pre-emergent herbicide before that sorghum comes up. That's just critical for us. Uh, historically, we depended on atrazine for weed control. And atrazine is just, by itself, is just uh, usually not giving us the kind of control we want anymore. So we pretty much have got to mix that with uh, with a metolachlor or maybe with Outlook or acetochlor. So there's those three In tomorrow's report, we'll discuss area wheat. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A world-renowned animal behavior expert is coming to West Texas. Jessica Domel has more on the Sand Hills Beef Cattle Conference coming up next month. World-renowned educator and animal behavior expert Dr. Temple Grandin is coming to Texas in July. Dr. Grandin, author of Animals in Translation and Temple Grandin's Guide to Working with Farm Animals, will be the featured speaker at the annual Sand Hills Beef Cattle Conference July 7th in Monahans. Dina Floyd, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Agent for Winkler and Loving Counties, joins us with more. We're ecstatic to bring someone as influential and well-known as Dr. Grandin to West Texas. She will be speaking on her principles of animal behavior, and then after lunch, we'll go over to the arena with Dr. Ron Gill and Dr. Bruce Carpenter to a live cattle handling demonstration. Dr. Grandin will discuss the principles of animal behavior and handling. She'll have several of her books available for sale and signing after the event. Other speakers include Extension Agriculture Law Specialist Tiffany Dowell-Lashmet. Tiffany Lashmet will be providing her agriculture law expertise on ranch succession and will cover upcoming policy changes that will affect us all. Dr. Kai Poehler will be covering his game-changing shootside pregnancy test and we'll have a roundtable discussion led by Dr. Ron Gill and local entrepreneurs discussing topics like the emergence of small-town processing plants. The Sandhills Beef Cattle Conference will begin with registration and breakfast at 7.30 a.m. July 7th at the Ward County Event Center in Monahans. Cost is $50 for the all-day event. 
A link to register is available on the Sand Hills Beef Cattle Conference Facebook page. You can also contact an extension office in any of the following counties which are sponsoring the event. Winkler Loving, Crane, Andrews, Martin, Ector, Midland, Pecos, and Culberson. Again, that conference is July 7th in Monahans. And speaking of beef education programs, the 2021 Texoma Youth Beef Cattle Short Course will be held July 12th in Clay County. The program will focus on beef cattle management, economics, herd health, pasture management, calving seasons, cattle market analysis, rainfall programs, ranching practices, and more. Registration is open on a first-come, first-served basis. Cost is $10. The event is open to 8th graders and above. For registration, email wcholcombe at ag.tamu.edu. You can also contact William Holcomb at the Clay County Extension Office. Again, his email is wcholcombe at ag.tamu.edu. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Farmers on the Texas Southern Plains are experiencing one extreme weather event after another. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Lubbock area farmer about the weather extremes. Eddie Griffiths is now reporting for us uh, from the Lubbock area. And Eddie, uh, it certainly has turned uh, hot and dry across uh, most of the state as the rain has stopped. And certainly uh, your area is no exception, right? That's exactly right, Tom. As we talked about on the uh, last report, it seems like we'll go from one extreme to the next, and we went from overly wet to back to dry conditions, and definitely the heat is on. I had mentioned in previous reports how we were lacking heat units, and those have come in an abundance at this time. You know, we they were in the mid-90s, but we've been above 100 degrees for consecutive days, and uh that really did help. I don't, I don't know that we needed over 100 degrees, but being over 90, it helped the germination of the cotton to get up and out of the ground as it, most of it's getting a late start. How has the planting come along? Is it uh, pretty much nearing its end? Planting is pretty much wrapped up, and guys are just trying to get back in the field now and try to clean up weed populations with all the rain. And then you add the heat to it. We have seen a flush of weeds come really quick, and uh, if we could get the crops to grow like the weeds grow, we would we would have a bumper crop. That's a good way of putting it, Eddie. Thanks for your report today. Thank you, Tom. That is Eddie Griffiths reporting uh, for us today from West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The results from a three-year research project on quail will be presented later this month. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And arthritis is a very common condition in dogs and cats. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd talked about that on yesterday's program. He has part two coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, 
We're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Arthritis is a very common condition in dogs and cats, and there are many products on the market to treat it. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd is back with part two of that discussion. There are hundreds of joint supplements on the market, and as I mentioned last time, none of them will be effective if your pet is overweight. Omega-3 fatty acids are helpful with arthritis, but the dosage is much higher than the dose for skin problems. Omega-3 fatty acids are available over-the-counter, but to be effective for arthritis, the dose is five times larger than the recommended dose on the label for skin disease. So if you choose an over-the-counter omega-3 fatty acid supplement labeled for skin inflammation, don't expect it to help with arthritis unless you increase the dose five-fold. Another over-the-counter supplement is Green Lip Muscle, and this product was shown to be effective for arthritis in small to medium-sized dogs, but had very little effect on large dogs. The most common supplements are glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate, and these products have been shown to decrease pain associated with arthritis in dogs, although some time was required for these medications to become effective. My clinical experience indicates that dogs with mild arthritis respond to glucosamine and chondroitin, but those with moderate to severe arthritis require other medications as well, like nonsteroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs. As I mentioned last program, NSAIDs are helpful but can have an effect on the liver and kidneys and blood work should be checked prior to and during the use of these drugs. Another really good option is a drug called Adequin that we have lots of clients inject at home and the advantage it is very effective in even moderate cases of arthritis and has virtually no side effects and although not approved in cats can be used in cats and dogs. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The results from a three-year research project on Texas quail will be presented later this month. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. Texans interested in learning more about quail, why their numbers have declined, and new research on quail restoration are invited to attend a Quail Research Field Day Wednesday, June 30th at Quahati Ranch, west of Stephenville. Dr. Dale Rollins, Director of Outreach for the Rolling Plains Quail Research Foundation, which is one of the sponsors of the research, says the field day will take place at the site of the Erath County Quail Restoration Initiative, which was started back in 2019. We've been studying the efficacy of translocating, moving wild trap birds from further west. We're, we're comparing two populations, populations from the Rolling Plains and populations from South Texas, to see which of those, if either, is a better jump starter, if you will, to try to get the population going there in Erath County. John Polarski, who spearheaded the research, will address a number of topics. John just completed his master's degree there at Tarleton State University. He's been working on this project for three years. And then uh, between him and me, we'll be talking uh, about not only the results, but what the habitat needs to look like and some habitat restoration techniques that if people are interested in trying to restore the quail population, they ought to have property that looks about like this kind of thing. 
Interested participants must register by Friday to the Erath County Extension Office at 254-965-1460. That is 254-965-1460. Cost is $10 per person. The event will be held Wednesday from 8.45 a.m. until noon. Two CEUs are available for those with a private applicator's license. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's been a pretty good week for the cattle market so far. So how did things wrap up on Thursday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle traded mixed for much of the day Thursday. June live cattle up 32 cents to 122.82. August live cattle down 25 cents to 122.62. October live cattle up 10 cents to 128.27. Corn traded lower for much of the day on Thursday, and that prompted feeder cattle futures to rise. September feeder cattle up $1.12 to $159.20. October feeder cattle up $1.12 to $161.10. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We'll join Larry Marble and Doug Bass down at Cattleman's Brenham for walking the pens. We had a good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up with 1,013 head of cattle. Man, the market looked great. Packer cows and bulls really looked steady to the week before. And the calf market, I, I called it steady to higher. Good. Let's walk the pins. Yes, sir. On your way in cows, your thinner, lower yielding cows being 38 to 52. Better high yielding cows being 55 to 74. Bulls, thinner, lower yielding bulls being 67 to 78. Better high yielding bulls bring 90 to $1.05. Pairs, vets bring anywhere from 1250 to 1600 Bred cows bring anywhere from 1000 to 1250 Little roping kids, one to two weight steers bring 142 to $2. Heifers bring 155 to 170 Two to three weight steers bring 150 to 174 Heifers bring 128 to 175 Three to four Weight steers bring 142 to 188. Heifers bring 126 to 154. Four to five weight steers bring 147 to 192. Heifers bring 129 to 184. Five to six weight steers bring 140 to 170. Heifers bring 126 to 165. Six to seven weight steers bring 131 to 156. Heifers bring 117 to 156. Seven to eight weight steers bring 119 to 140. Heifers bring 98 to 146, and your 800,000 pound steers and bull yearlings bring 90 to 127, and the heiferettes bring 80 to 110. What's online for this week? We got lots of calves coming to town. That market's been good. I think folks are wanting to get them to town. I think we'll have a pretty good run again this week. Yes, sir. Tell everybody how to contact you, Doug Bass, for the Friday sale at Cattleman's Brenham. Y'all can sure call me on my cell, which is 979-877-4454. Our call Saratobas, which is 979-836-3621. Texas Farming and Ranching Neighbors, that was Doug Bass from Cattleman's Brenham. He sells them every Friday. I'm Larry Marble. I'm the host of Walking the Pens from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day to you. 
Lean hogs for July down $4.50 to $102. Lean hogs for August down $2.02 to $98.70. Block cheese prices were steady Thursday at $1.49. Barrel cheese was up a cent to $1.50. No loads were traded. Class 3 milk for June down 13 cents to 17.21 a hundredweight. Class 3 milk for July up 2 cents to 16.62 a hundredweight. After seeing sharp declines around midday Thursday and a bit of rebound, cotton did close lower. Cotton for October down 10 points to 87.53. Cotton for December down 21 points to 86.73. Analysts say some of that could be due to major rains that are expected in the cotton growing areas, including parts of Texas. A favorable weather forecast for many corn growing areas and the nearing Texas corn harvest pushed Corn futures lower Thursday. Corn for July down 11 to 6.53 and a quarter. Corn for September down one and three quarters to 5.49 and a quarter. Corn for December up a quarter to 5.36. Moderate to heavy rain that is expected to interrupt harvest in parts of Oklahoma and eastern Kansas could be to blame for lower wheat futures on Thursday. Hard red wheat for July down six to 6.06. Hard red wheat for September down six and a quarter to six fourteen and a half. Hard red wheat for July down six to six oh six. And that wet weather forecast that we talked about also impacted the soybean markets on Thursday. Soybeans for July down thirteen and three quarters to thirteen seventy one and a quarter. Soybeans for November down eight and a half to twelve ninety one and three quarters. Crude oil prices continue to climb. Crude oil for August up 11 cents Thursday to 73.19. Crude oil for September up 18 cents to 72.54 a barrel. Uh, the Dow up 335 points Thursday to 34,210. The S&P 500 up 27 points to 4,269. And the Nasdaq up 99 points to 14,370. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.